It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Listening to highlights from the opinion line on Corks 96 FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The opinion line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. So let me get this right. As of today, myself and my sister, or myself, and my brother, or my brother and my sister, cannot go to visit our mother together for the next three weeks because we come from different households. That's that's how it is now. Now, that's not going to do anything to stop the gatherings outside various pubs in town, down Oliver Plunkett Street, the ones that the film and the clips and the various photos that we saw Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday... So me not being able to go and visit my mother for coffee with my sister is going to stop all that? We'll look at the science of it, if there is any, in a minute. Good morning, 1850-715-996. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email for the show is opinion at 96fm.ie. Also coming up uh, later this morning. You remember that I told you three months ago, I said it here, I said masks would become a fashion item and people would actually buy masks according to their outfit. I remember I said during the week that my daughter now has a selection hanging up in the wardrobe according to what she's wearing, be it jeans or a towel, whatever. She's got a mask to match. And other people are headed that way. There's now a woman I'll be talking to later on has started a business. Fashion masks, and she reckons it's only the start. But first of all, let us go to, and from the start, and I, I, I hate questioning Neffet too much because from the very start of all of this we've said they're the experts they're the ones with the data they're the ones with the figures we can do the numbers all we want but they're the ones with the facts before them and after all the numbers flying up during the week yesterday morning we did them at length for Cork I don't propose to do them today other than we had 47 more cases announced for Cork yesterday Neffet announced that they were going to Recommending a change in gatherings in households. Visitors to private households will be restricted to six people from one other home amid concern about the deterioration in COVID-19 cases nationally. Now, the expectation was, we all thought that Cork, and maybe other country, counties too, but Cork in particular, would be bumped up to level three restrictions. We thought it was going to happen. It didn't happen. They've imposed this restriction on family gatherings for the next three weeks. They said people could continue to meet socially in other settings, 
but only with people from one other household. In other words, if you want to book dinner in a restaurant, well, you can only bring one other household with you. So again, take bringing Nana out for Sunday dinner, that's gone now. Because even if there are only six of you, well, there's you and maybe Nana, and your your auntie can't come, or or your you know, it's they're restricting family gatherings at a time when we had the scenes from Spanish Arch in Galway, and the scenes from downtown on Monday night, Tuesday night, which we talked about here at length on the show. To me, at this point, as a layman, it doesn't make a whole pile of sense. Let us see if Professor Anthony Staines, who's been on the program with me regularly um, from DCU. Can, can put sense on it. Professor Staines, good morning again. Good morning, BJ. How are you? And I'm sorry if I sound like I'm rambling here, but this doesn't make a whole pile of sense to me. After the scenes we saw in Galway, the scenes we saw here in Cork, the fact that we know there are clusters coming out of restaurants and there are clusters coming out of so big social parties, what's this going to do? There's a great article in the journal today from a guy called Shane Timmons, who's a behavioural scientist at ESRI, and what he says is that responding to this by hurling bricks at other groups of people isn't really helpful. Yeah. We're, we're seeing this virus spreading everywhere, and it's spreading in every age group. It's spreading in primary school children up to the very elderly. Nobody is, is out of reach of this. There's a group whose behaviour is very visible, which is young people having parties outdoors, which is actually, from a just from an infection control point of view, is pretty low risk. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should do it, but compared with some of the other things you can do, it's pretty low risk. It's pretty horrid if the outdoor party is in your community. I mean, we, we saw the big party in the Oliver Bond uh, complex last week or the yeah. week before last where almost all the people came from outside the area yeah. and they trashed a big open space in the centre of of the community. That's not acceptable. Mm. But the, the spread of the virus is happening in homes, in restaurants, in pubs, in social gatherings, predominantly indoor gatherings. Okay. And it's happening to an extent in schools and to a larger extent in colleges. So we, we know how this works. We know that most people who get this virus don't spread it, but maybe one in five do. And the spread almost, oh, not always, but almost always occurs in crowded indoor situations. So if you look at the things that Neffet were reporting on uh, yesterday and the day before, th- these are people who went to a party in a house they went and out and ate in a restaurant and they spread the virus to people at the next table. Mm. They, they went out to a pub and they had some drinks there and they spread the virus to members of staff. That's how the virus is spreading in our community. It's spreading indoors. It's spreading across the age groups. You get an invite to some of your friends to a dinner party mm. and you trot down, as happened to one of my friends in Fox Rock about two weeks ago, Trotted down to a dinner party and found 18 other people in the house. And to, to be fair to my friend, they trotted out again. Yeah. And they didn't go to the party. But 18 other people went to the party. Now, nobody was infected that I know of. You know, they, they got away with it. And you mostly do get away with it. But you don't always get away with it. Yeah. And it, it's, 
it is that spread, that pattern of spread that is causing a lot of the problems we see. We, we've had extreme cases. I mean, there, there's a well-documented case in South Korea where, where one woman started an epidemic that led to over a thousand cases. Yeah. Now, that's an, that is extreme. It does happen. So we, we've got to control all of that because we're seeing uh, hospital admissions go up. Yeah. We're seeing intensive care admissions go up. And we haven't we haven't got any spare capacity in the Irish hospital. It was bad enough over the summer and the spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be catastrophic in the winter. We're beginning to see deaths rising, unfortunately. Before yesterday, yeah. Yeah, and the, you know, the death, deaths go up maybe six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks after cases go up. Hospital admissions go up two or three weeks after they go up. Mm-hmm. Intensive care admissions maybe a month after they go up. And we're seeing all of that. We're seeing this... Um, you know, we're we're seeing it in Ireland, but we're also seeing it all over Europe. Yeah, in different countries in Europe are at different stages along this path. So, so seriously, we're we're are obviously we're we're headed into potential chaos in in the winter time. Just a question mm-hmm. about the gatherings, though, and I, I take your 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 scientific point, obviously, on the the outdoor gatherings and the, their low risk generally. Like you said, they shouldn't be happening, but they're they're yeah. low risk. Yeah. But the point that we were making here during the week, Professor, was: Do you want to be the person that goes out to? for you, a relatively harmless gathering, and at that relatively harmless gathering, you pick up a virus that will be relatively harmless to you. Do you want to be the person that brings that back home to your elderly relative, or brings it to your friend, who will be one of these unfortunates who will be struck down sick for the next six months? Do you really want to put that risk... Shouldn't we be cutting down on that risk? No, we we need to cut down on that risk. And the, the truth is, this virus is unpredictable. There, there are people who've got it, fit, healthy, athletic people in their 20s have died. There are people who've got it, frail, elderly people who have shrugged it off. Yeah. Been sick for, been perhaps very sick because it's a nasty virus. I mean, people who've had flu and COVID all say that the COVID was much worse. But you, you don't know. And we're seeing an increasing number of people. We, we don't have a really good handle on this yet. But it looks like somewhere between 10% and 30% of people who are infected, pretty much regardless of whether they're particularly sick or not, but they have long-term symptoms. Yes. I was only speaking to one of them yesterday. The woman's been sick since March. Yeah, but you, you can imagine what that's like. I mean, please God, she will recover o- over over time. It, 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 in some ways it's like uh, post-viral fatigue syndrome, which mostly but by no means always recovers over a couple of years. But nobody wants to be out of it for a couple of years. Yeah. And, that, and this, is a, this is a virus that we think is infected. I mean, the highest estimate I've seen for the number of people infected in Ireland is 3%. Mm. So 97% of us to go. That's an awful lot of potential cases. It's an awful lot of potential deaths. It's an awful lot of potential long COVID. You know, we, we've, we're really, this is, this virus is challenging our whole society. Yeah. And it is picking out all the weak parts. 
yeah. in our society. It picks out the overcrowded housing. It picks out the communities where people are poor, where their income isn't sufficient, where their employment opportunities aren't sufficient. It picks out the schools with inadequate infrastructure. It picks out the weaknesses in our health service. It, it picked out the nursing homes. Uh, there have been heroic efforts. By, I, I work with the intellectual disability sector. Uh, there have been heroic efforts in that sector to stop it getting into the sector. And the, those efforts have, have, thank God, so far yeah. been largely successful. But we we are, it's picked out the displaced person centres, it's picked out meat factories where people work for relatively low wages. Many of them are immigrants who are living in not great housing conditions because we allow it. Yeah. You know, the, a lot of what happens in COVID is down to political chickens coming home to roost from 20 years before. We all have since day one, Professor, looked at Neffet and said, well, look, they are the experts. They have the data. They have more information than we have. Therefore, what they say must be based on good science. For the first time, I'm doubting a Neffet announcement, the one they made yesterday. What are your own thoughts on Neffet's move yesterday? To be honest, my thought is it does not go far enough. I will be very plain about this. I think that we we are now in a situation where the virus is is effectively out of control across the whole country, and it's going to rise across the whole country. The way to we we are proposing at the moment significant restrictions in Dublin and Donegal, but the the, the virus is not under control in either Dublin or Donegal. We we need to do this across the country. We need to do it. I think we do need to do it at county level. That's one thing I absolutely agree with from everything Neffert has said, everything Stephen Donnelly has said. Mm. This needs to be dealt with county by county. And in, a, in some counties, Cork being one example, it might be the city and the county separately, but that's, you know, that you defer to the locals on that. They know better than mm-hmm. me sitting in my, my office in North County Dublin. So, that's how we do it. We we deal with this county by county by county. We bring in restrictions across the whole country, including restrictions and movement between counties. And we bring down the counties. And as we bring down the counties, we can lift the restrictions in the counties. Because as you know yourself, the risks in different counties are very different. Yeah. So we don't need necessarily need to do the same thing in every county. We probably need to start out doing the same thing in every county. Yeah. But then change change what we're doing as we go along. Are you suggesting that we would go to a certain level nationally and then release ourselves county by county? Yes, in a nutshell. And we're not talking about going back to March. What we did in March was an emergency lockdown because we were looking at Northern Italy. We were looking at New York where there were literally bodies piling up in vans in the streets in New York. And the health service nearly collapsed. That didn't happen here because we didn't let it happen. We now know much more about this virus. We closed schools because we thought it was like flu. And flu spreads, schools are a major route of spread of flu. They're not a major route of spread of COVID, which is fortunate. You know, that's good news. So we, we, we've adapted how we work. We've adapted how we operate. We wear masks. We wash our hands. We do social distancing. So we can... We don't need to go back to where we were in March, Mm. but we do need to go back. And we need to go back in a very 
organised, planned and systematic way. And the government's levels are a good way of thinking about it. Mm. You know, level five, level four, level three. Uh, what exactly should go in each level, I think, needs needs a bit more reflection. It seems that you can pick and choose from different levels. It, it has got confusing. I, I will be honest about that. And th- this is complicated. Mm. I mean, there, that's one reason for saying a lot of decision-making should be local. You know, the local public health people know much better than, than people like me exactly what's going on in their community. And if you said to me, Tipperary, I know Tipperary. I've, I've, been, I've stayed in Tipperary, been through Tipperary, but I don't really know how people move around Tipperary. I don't know where the concentrations of population are. I don't know where the big social activities are. The local public health people have all that cold. Yes. That's their job. Yes. So let them do it. Yes. And let let them guide what needs to be done locally, working with other people in their local communities yeah. inside a national framework. That seems to me a very logical way. That, that sounds very do. like what, what Dr. Niall Conroy was saying to me earlier in the week. Yeah. Uh, I was talking yeah. to Dr. Conroy. He's the public health man in Queensland, an Irish guy. And he was saying to me, this yeah. is how they did it. You just yeah. sent out the public health people to do their job. Yeah. But that, I mean, we've... We've been talking with, uh, I work with a group called the the, uh, inter, the Irish Scientific Advocacy Group for COVID. And we've been talking with Niall. We know Niall well. Uh, we're hoping to have a meeting with the Australian CMO next week to bring back some of these ideas. Because I think Australia is a great model for us. The Australia had a major breakdown in their quarantine in Melbourne. Yeah. And that led to a huge outbreak in Melbourne and Victoria. And they've they've managed, they had to put in the most severe restrictions in Melbourne, but actually the the locals took to it very well. And we have opinion poll surveys that Amora Consulting do for the department. I think every fortnight, um, and they they suggest a high level of public support yeah. for what needs to be done. There's a lot of noisy people out there. There's a lot of Aegis threatening to sue this and sue that for if you don't do this, that, and the other by a certain date. But the public largely get this. Most businessmen get this. There's a few very noisy people who are making a lot of fuss for their own reasons. Yeah. But the public, I, I don't have a sense, and the surveys back me up on this, I don't have a sense that the public support them. I, think, I don't think the public are pleased about the situation we're in either. But I do think the public, given clear leadership, will support it. And I think the public quite like the five-level plan the government brought out. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, as I said to you, I think that plan needs a little reconsideration, as it has become clear over the last few weeks. And that's fine. You know, it's a sign of maturity that you produce a plan, you see what works in it, what doesn't work in it, and then you change it. Yes. It's, it's toddlers who say, this is my plan, I'm sticking to it, and we're going to do it. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't work, we're going to do it anyway. That's, yeah. that's childish behaviour. That's not what we get from our, by and large from our political leaders. That's not what we expect from our political leaders, especially with the Taoiseach from Cork. <laughs> you know, I would be optimistic. We've had a question in from Aidan, which I think is a good question, Professor Staines. It's believed now, he says, that super spreaders are responsible for major incidents up and down the country. Hmm. What, what is a super spreader? It, it isn't. <clears throat> First of all, it's not entirely clear what that is. It seems 
there, there seem to be people, and it's, it's not clear whether it's something about them or something about the exact situation they find themselves in, who spread the virus very effectively. And you, you, can, you can tell a whole series of stories about you know, how the virus might be growing, how the mucus in their mouth and nose might be slightly different from the, the general run of the population. But in most cases, the super spreader events that have been identified have been indoor events with large numbers of people. One of the famous ones is a choir rehearsal in the States where one person was infected and they infected 50 or 60 other people. And we don't really know whether that was just something about that person yeah. or whether anyone else who was infected singing loudly in that rehearsal situation yeah. would have led to infection. Again, it's part of the unpredictability nature of the of the illness, isn't it? it? It is, but what's predictable about it is if you put significant numbers of people together, particularly indoors, particularly in poorly ventilated spaces, you will get spread. I mean, uh, teachers are telling me they're keeping the windows open in schools and telling the kids put their jackets on Mm. because that improves the ventilation and that has a big impact on this. We know this virus spreads mainly through what they call droplets, which don't go very far from you. But there's a significant spread through what they call aerosols, which are basically very small droplets, Mm -hmm. which spread much further and are heavily affected by ventilation. And there, there, there is some spread, but not apparently huge, through contact with surfaces that people have coughed on or sneezed on. So the, the virus doesn't last all that long on most surfaces. Mm. Again, so that, that, the science has changed spread. on that with research. We thought at one yeah. point it could stay there for days. It, it, doesn't see, it doesn't seem to accept an unusual circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. So in, yeah. in damp, cold circumstances. But don't forget, Ireland is damp and cold all winter. <laughs> and half the summer. Yeah, well, yes. two, <laughs> two final questions for you, one which will involve, and I know scientists like yourself don't like making predictions, but I'm going to ask you anyway. First of all, uh, Professor, uh, the, the fact now that uh, President and Mrs. Trump have this uh, confirmed on a global scale, could that change anything with regard to how we look at this virus? Well, first of all, I hope they will both make excellent recoveries yeah. and not be severely affected by it. But yeah, it, it could. I, I think I think people in the UK kind of woke up when Boris Johnson was infected. It was no longer, and he was very sick. It was no longer possible to for you know ideologically motivated people to say, "Well, this isn't real. This is all a, a, a con." You know, you, all you had to do is look at Boris, who was in intensive care very ill, very shook for a long time afterwards. It was a good example. I, I'm hoping Donald Trump won't get sick, but at least he's sending the message anyone can get it. Yeah. Finally, and I know you, people like yourself don't like making predictions, but we talked about the latest recommendation from Neffet and how you feel they should have gone further. Mm. Do you think we might regret this in a couple of weeks? I, I suspect so, yes, unfortunately. I, I suspect so, but I hope not. I mean, I really hope this works. I would, as I said a couple of times, I would love to be wrong. I would love everything to go away. Yeah. But I, I would just be worried it might not happen. Yeah. 
Well, I've been listening to people like yourself and, and Jerry Killeen and Tomas Ryan and, and Catherine Motherway and many more for months now. And you all say, I hope I'm wrong. Sadly, yeah. sadly, you guys are right more often than you're wrong. <laughs> Professor Staines, it's always a pleasure. Thanks very much, PJ. God Thank bless. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Professor Anthony Staines from uh, DCU, who reckons that Neffet should have gone further yesterday. And he reckons what we should do now is go back up a level nationally and start going down. Rather than going up one county at a time, go up a level nationally and come down one county at a time. That's what he would do. 185715. 996. Anne says, PJ, pull the other one. He knows he's doing terrible in the presidential race. In other words, it's fake news. He'll get sympathy votes. Oh, you mean Trump? Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, that, that's one look, look point. If there's 57 cases connected to a nameless Cork restaurant, why isn't the restaurant being named? Says that message. I don't know, is the answer. I don't know if you'd be entitled to name it. But clearly we've not had its name released publicly. I have a fair idea where it is myself, but I'm not going to name it. Ah, here, says Aaron, hanging Christmas over our heads. This is more or less blackmail. We've overcounted the debts, and it's well known we know the PCR test is too sensitive. Have we cured the flu and the common cold? Because no one seems to have them at the moment. Well, maybe they have, but they're all getting tested for COVID now. And maybe all the mask wearing and the social distancing and all of those things we have to do, maybe that'll have a knock-on effect with the cold and the flu. You'd hope it would. D says, Hi PJ, off to pay credit union bills. Before I went, I priced a mask. and in, They're 25 euro. What? While I agree with mask wearing, we need to support local masks, especially those who are helping and fundraising for a medical cause, other than bigger chains profiting. Have a super safe weekend, all at the opinion line. Where did, who quoted you 25 euro for a mask? Where did you price 25 euro? Well, stay tuned anyway, because we have a local business who's making masks. And they're nice, because I got a box of them as a present. And there are local masks to be, to, to be had. Jennifer, schools leaving the windows open is fine, but my daughter's told her to move her extra jumper and she's frozen. That's not good enough. No, it isn't, Jennifer. That is certainly not good enough. Brian, he brings up the issue of droplets. Can you ask him why does the test swab need to take place at the back of the nose? Good question, Brian. I didn't ask Professor Staines because I didn't have him by the time I got your question. This was explained early on that it's at the back of the nose and the back of the throat is where the virus, if you want, breeds. It lands in your body and that's where it goes to grow. That is Sort of the scientific explanation, making it very simple. Interesting point, says, I don't know who you are, R631 Cork. Interesting points on restaurants with family and visiting one in different households to other families. Where does this leave weddings? We're getting married in a few weeks. Already we put the, cut the guest list to just family. I believe if, if a wedding is COVID compliant, it can go ahead. And there's a long list of compliance with regards to weddings. As I said earlier in the week, I'm, I'm due to go to a wedding myself this afternoon. Um, wedding of my dear friend Gareth O'Callaghan and and uh, and Paula, and they have been COVID compliant to the last, with regard to planning the room and planning the event and planning the day. So you know everything will be conducted as safely as possible. They can still go ahead now because we haven't had that cut. But 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette, now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying, done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996 On Cork's 96FM. I think that the homes of Ireland could be taken over by homicidal toddlers if something be being recommended is put into effect. I'll get to that in a second, but the, what they give him as a treat, your toddlers will take the bread knife to you if you only give them one half of a plain biscuit once a week. That's coming up in just a sec, but you might want to join Trevor Welsh on Corks96fm.ie this Saturday. Premier League Live is back exclusively online and powered by TalkSport. Live commentary of Chelsea versus Crystal Palace at 12.30. Everton versus Brighton at 3. Leeds versus Man City at 5.30. Newcastle v Burnley at 8 o'clock. It's the Premier League Live online every Saturday. Download the Corks 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie all powered by Talk sport. Now, it was recommendations have come out uh, from the government as to what is a healthy eating plan for a small child. And one of the things that jumps out from it, and as, as always, there's probably an awful lot of sense to these plans. But what jumps out from it is that once a week, a child should be given one square of chocolate or one half a plain biscuit. Or three soft sweets. Now, this is once a week. There's a brilliant piece in the Irish Independent this morning which asks the question, do the people who made up the government's new healthy eating rules actually have toddlers? Seriously, half a plain biscuit once a week. Chrissy Russell is writing, I've seen a fair bit of terrible twos behaviour from my lad, but I'm pretty sure this scenario will prompt some full-on rioting. Take the emergency treats like a packet of chocolate buttons to get us around the supermarket or the I I need you to be quiet now level of bowl of crisps when I'm on a work call. (laughs) Half a plain biscuit once a week? Seriously? (laughs) 1850-715-996. Like I said, there is always some serious science behind this and I guess we have a problem with childhood obesity. We have. that's, That's a lie about it. We have. And good eating habits start when you're very small. And that's probably where they want this to go. Let's talk to Tony Martin of TNP. Hi, Tony. Good morning to you. PJ, how are you, sir? It's been a while, dude. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Now, we, we've talked before about how healthy eating habits start when you're very, very small. Is this yes. crazy, though, or is this good science? No, um, like I mean, very, very small, but go back further than that. I mean, how we come into the world, it depends on what our mums eat. So there's a massive influence on uh, of diet on all our aspects of all our life and being and, and, and uh, how we assimilate food, what we, what we need as food. So it goes back to the womb. Now, from a very, very early age, our habits are formed. The first four years of life are incredibly important in terms of brain development. And anything that we're exposed to, anything that stimulates a response, these happen very, very early because they're survival traits that have been built into our evolved systems for hundreds and thousands of years. 
So it's without getting too technical on that, like bad habits from the start that are layered down in the first four years are the ones that we carry on that are associated with the comforts that we have growing up. And they they set precedence for what develops in terms of what type of bacteria grow in our stomach. And the more we're exposed to foods that are low in anything that can stimulate these responses, then the more likely we are to continue what are inadvertently called bad habits as we get older without thinking about it. Are you suggesting there that that baby is born pre-programmed with mammy's eating habits? There's a lot in it because obese babies from obese mums tend to be on the heavy end of the the weight scale and the obese scale and all the other problems associated with obesity as they grow older. Um, Healthier babies, when they look at the epidemiology, tend not to live as long and they, they tend to die earlier. Um, and, and I mean, that's an absolute fact. So exposing kids to sugary, anything sugary or anything processed in a lot and um, for a lot of the time, um, it, it does set up those bad habits. And you know, there's, there's an awful lot of sense to be had with the guidelines that have come out. Now, I know we say half a biscuit is pretty impractical, but by habit forming, I mean, uh, on a personal level, for the first two years, uh, none of my, my, my kids were exposed to the sugar. Uh, when I was buying any treats, I might buy a packet and share out a packet, maybe get one sweet each, and oh, it sounds terrible. But for the first couple of years, this is what you need to do if you want to conscientiously affect how you think your kids are going to turn out. So based on what's there and the science coming back from the studies that they're doing, from the large epidemiology studies they're doing, all the trouble seems to stem from high exposure to processed foods and sugary foods, sugary drinks to kids when they're young, because kids will gravitate towards the sweeter food. It's like, it's just incredible the way they do. Yeah. They gravitate towards it. You know, there's, the kids aren't being breastfed. They're not getting the right, the right nutrient balances. You know, they're not developing the way we were evolved to develop. We're putting foods that are stimulating massive responses, layering down massive habits, you know, like the extremes of sugars, you know, good foods, they're, they're set at a young age. And once you get those set, like, it's very, very hard to reverse them and get rid of them. Now, here's the thing. And, and you, your youngsters have obviously had the benefit of, of your training and you've brought them through their first couple of years as well as you can. But I'd almost promise you, Tony, that if I put a carrot stick on one side of the table and a square of chocolate on the other side of the table... Which one will your child go for? The square of chocolate. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's so, naturally I mean, built into kids, isn't it, to run for this stuff? Well, well, again, I mean, you have to be very, very careful with... It's naturally built into kids to take what they know is nice. If, you're, if, you, if you come along and you're used to eating, you know, if you're a primitive society and you see chocolate, you won't know what it is. Mm. Because you know what it is, because you're associating the visual context of looking at chocolate, the taste, the niceness, the yumminess... You're going to grab the chocolate. If you don't know what it is, it's not there. So if you have a habit set out whereby you're eating foods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you're drinking water, you're not drinking fruit juices, milk, that becomes what you're exposed to. That's the thing you gravitate towards. If it's not there, if you don't have that pattern set up, you're going to be less likely to grab for it. Right. You know, I mean, there's a lot of balance here, PJ. You know, I think a lot of people are more conscientiously engaged now than they would have been before. But when you look across socioeconomic strata of society, it tends to affect 
you know, the lower end of the um, of, of that strata more than the people who can have the time to think about it. Yeah, now, we, we hear the, the food poverty argument. And in fact, that article I was quoting from, there's a line in it where she says, instead of putting parents on the naughty step, how about giving us a hand? Maybe make healthy food cheaper and more accessible and the sugary stuff less prolific. Again, you know, all agreeable statements, but the practicality of these things is is incredibly difficult, PJ. There's massive businesses and infrastructures and jobs and everything built up around these industries. Like Big Pharma, Big Food, they are enormous businesses. People talk about getting healthier food on the table. The practicality of that is incredibly difficult. Healthy food tends to be fresher food, which has a shorter shelf life. It's difficult to get. You have to prep it. People want facilities. Their parents are working their, to their wits' end, like two parent family working, no time to come home and prep mm. for the kids. There's not a whole lot of prep in a carrot, Tony. In fairness, hang on a second now. It depends peel it and on wash you're it, and it. Slice peel it. it, wash it. Hang on a second now. When's the last time you peeled and washed the slice of carrot, TJ? Um, well, first of all, I'm a lazy bugger. I, I, I buy yeah, the buttons. Exactly. But, but, no. but, 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 but hold on a while. Hold on a while. Hold on a while. It takes. It's a, I haven't done it, but it takes. You, you talk about it, all learning good habits. We all have to learn good habits. A packet of carrots is cheap. You, you, it takes five minutes to to peel them and wash them. And right, PJ, hang on a second though. You ask any chef. They're stuck in the kitchen, right? Yeah. And they have to get all the food on the plate at the right time, at the right temperature. So the carrots takes 20 minutes, the potatoes takes 15 minutes, the peas take two minutes. Are you sitting down now and telling me the people have the time to coordinate all these things, come home for a job and sit down and face oh, God, No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm yeah. not. But if we have, how do we make it easier then? Like, I mean, like, like you, you, you look at obesity, you look at the figures and you say, yeah, there's a problem because the percentages of people now who are overweight, it's, it's enormous and it's getting bigger. There was 1.7 billion in 2015. The figures that came out from Ivan Perry in UCC said there was 1.7 billion spent on obesity and the cost of obesity in this country alone. Not in Northern Ireland, in, in Ireland, 1.7 billion. Now that stems, like obese people aren't just created out of the blue. It's a gradual thing and it's a state they arrive in. That state begins and commences to begin from an early age. Right. And what people who are putting these diet pyramids together, what they're looking at is the end result based on what they're gathering and collating up to now. Now that's often we scoff, but we, we've got to get the message out there. Keep the processed food away from kids as early as possible. Mm. There's been an awful lot of research done into childhood obesity. They looked at, say, breast milk as opposed to formulaic milk. And yeah. they said, what's the difference be- between the two? Why are breastfed kids a little bit healthier? Well, they looked at the amount of bacteria that grows in the gut from breastfed children and formula-fed children. And what they found in breastfed milk was they found a type of sugar Right, a thing called an oligosaccharide that had no function whatsoever, that wasn't broken down, that wasn't used for anything other than stimulating a response in the gut to make a certain type of bacteria grow, a good bacteria, which would help with the well-being and the digestive ability of children who were breastfed. Now, that was an amazing insight. That was only found out last year, I think, yeah. Now, people who eat processed food food that doesn't have anything in it that can induce some type of a a, a gut response, a biome response to the food, they tend to be denuded and they tend to be less able and they tend to shift the nutrients in and out of the gut a lot quicker than kids who've got these bacteria, which in turn leads to more storage, more, you know, creating that environment where you can soak up all these nutrients and end up being obese. 
And because there's no practical function to being obese other than to, to enable you to keep eating, these problems spiral out of control. So if you have a thought for the long-term effect of what's happening with your kid, if you view these things as things, you know, the, the processed foods, the sugary foods, as, as, as treats, you know, a weekend treat, which there's nothing wrong with it, and, and get them down the whole food route because you're layering down for their future. Mm. And look at it that way, uh, instead of saying, oh, sure, sure, God, love us. What's wrong with a biscuit? What's, what's wrong with a sweet? There's nothing wrong with any of these things in, at any one snapshot in an instant of time. But if you keep saying there's nothing wrong with it, then you can give them treats every single day. Yeah. And then you're building up that response. And because they're empty calories, and because kids are so finite, they're so small, what will happen is that they look for those empty calories they're filling their calorie remit. They're mm. not getting proper nutrition. And so they keep looking for more food because they need the nutrition that they're not getting. So it just creates a spiral of sugar, sugar, okay. sugar, sugar, okay. sugar. So how would government help us to form those good habits? One I can think of, given that fantastic piece of science you gave me there, is to encourage, support and develop far more breastfeeding. Well, I, I, I think that, I mean, again, without putting pressure on people who don't have the time for that, PJ, you, you can't create a situation to say that, oh, you're neglecting your kid. You, you can't say that, like formulas are very good, people survive in it. But if you want to look at best options, I mean, if you were to go to the best options, PJ, we'd all row, row over to an island, grow our own veggies, cut off tellies. Absolutely. Live like monks. And, and that's an extreme. That's not going to work. We've got to find the balance. Yeah. Now, you know, giving your child a quarter of a biscuit a week and uh, two crisps and, uh, you know, one slice of um, a hard-boiled sweet or a jelly and that's your quarter of sugar for the week. Now, that's not going to work either. That, that's pretty impractical. Mm. But if kids, are, if the kids are out and if they're exercising and if they get a good balance of, you know, good wholesome food, good solid breakfast, good solid meals, lots of meat, a big emphasis on meat because we need a lot of good quality protein to grow and develop gut health and develop all our senses, then I, I think that's a, a massive boon. If you steer them towards, in part to commas, healthier choices and not demonize, but say, look, explain what you need to do and let them all everybody sit down and have the family meal and, and start building up other things which, which can help kids and help families and help people in general, then I think that's the way forward. Like a bold face and the big slicing knife down the middle and say, all that's good on one side and all that's rubbish on the other side. Totally impractical, not going to work. And logistically, it's, it's hard to get the amount of food for that healthy living, you know, the organic, this, that, the next. That's not going to work. It's completely impractical. But I, I know, know, allow I people to make those choices. Yeah. Allow them by educating them. And yes. I think this process of what they're doing with that is getting the conversation started. Yeah. This conversation is helping massively. You asking me and you bringing it out into the in, into the mainstream thinking is massively helpful, PJ, because now people are, are beginning to question, you know, what's that about? What's that about? Yeah. And Google being what it is, it, it's quite helpful. But, you know, it, it's starting the debate, it's starting people to, to ask the question. So I think it's a, it's a fantastic thing what they're after doing. Irene is asking a question here, Tone. Should pre-packed dinners like the pizzas and chicken nuggets, should that all be banned? They're really only created for children and might even affect hormonal imbalance as well as their weight. Well, again, they do affect hormonal imbalance. Like, oh. and like we, we, if we eat something, like there's two hormones in our body that get affected by what we eat. One is insulin, which regulates our blood sugar. That's down to the type of food we eat, how quickly the, the sugar is absorbed. And the other is um, the one that controls appetite, uh, appetite, satiation, ghrelin and leptin. So all these hormones react to the food that we eat and they then, you know, put 
fat on, release fat, uh, reduce our blood sugar, get our blood sugar up or down, depending on what we need. And so, like, everything is, is hormonal in our body. All the reactions to the environment that we're in, that's all hormonal. So what we've got to do is maybe get a little insight into what happens. And when we're informed, we can inform the choices we make around the food that we choose. So that's what we've got to start doing. And the sooner we bring that into school curriculum, so that our kids have an understanding of the cause and effect in food, then you're, you're better equipping them to make, to make the choices, you know, that will hopefully lead to the, um, to, re- to the reduction in, in the obese state that we're seeing now on a global rate, and especially in first world countries like our own, growing and spiralling out of control. Okay, Tony, it's a pleasure uh, to talk to you. Good man, and thank you for taking our call. That's Tony Martin. Uh, he's a nutrition and performance coach. Thanks, Tony. 1850-715-996. He calls it like it is. He has no problem telling me I'm talking out my arse, which is something I probably need to be told more. So what do you think? Uh, Finn says on WhatsApp, 20 minutes for carrots? Jesus, carrot soup. You'd have carrot soup after 20 minutes. Yeah, Finn's a chef, by the way. Um, PJ, you and I know fully well that people who make decisions for our kids today have no young kids anymore, so therefore they absolutely have no clue of what we're going through at home. Mags points out that three crisps is about all you get in the average bag of potatoes these days anyway. (laughs) What are the best alternatives to meat? My four-year-old just doesn't like meat and won't eat it. You see... I don't have an answer to that. Some people would say you just need to keep giving it to them until they will eat it. But then again, someone else might correct me on that. Michael says, unless a child has a medical problem, there's no need for obesity. It's just lazy parenting. I'm sure that'll go down well. Elizabeth, you're talking about kids and sweets. Kids generally have to develop a taste for fast food and sweets. Most of their diet can be controlled until they start school. And you can't quite control what they may buy on the way home or get from friends. I only drank Coke when I started school. And even that stopped when the schools stopped it. They get their good habits at home. When they're very small. But half a biscuit a week, as Tony said, that's just not practical. Why not teach parents better practice with regard to feeding the kids and help them to put it into practice. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96 FM. Catching up again in just a minute with someone who I found among the best fun to talk to in all of 2019. That was the last time she was in here, or maybe, no, yeah, 2019. I thought maybe early 2020. No, we'd, she came in for five minutes and we had a great crack together for nearly half an hour. Chat up with her again, or catch up with her again in a couple of minutes. But come here to me. I've been watching this on social media the last couple of days. And it's one of these things you kind of don't get involved in the conversation on social media because you weren't there. You saw the film, but you kind of the camera angle, what is it? There's a lot of excitement about a match in Glenmire. Now, the club have said they won't comment. Uh, Cork GA sent us a document or referred us to a document that they released about compliance with COVID-19. But there's all sorts of people deleting Twitter accounts and there's blocking and muting and fighting going on over a match in Glenmire and a piece of video... Now, it was a significant point in the match where a point, I think it was a point, 
was scored and fellas jumped up and cheered and as you do at a match but the point was being made hold on what's the distancing here where's the social distancing here where's the mask wearing here what's going on with this and it's led to a right schmuzzle to use that great old GA term on uh, on social media about it were you there at the match can you enlighten us at all as I said the club has declined to comment and the GA just referred us to a compliance document also, here's another one. Is there any way, this is a message we got, is there any way you could get the public's opinion on a motorsport event due to take place in Waterford on the 11th of October? It'll have at least 800, what? 800 attending. And while the organisers said COVID-19 guidelines are being followed, it still means people are travelling from all over Ireland. This number doesn't include the spectators that'll travel. And as these gather to watch the events on public roads, there's no way to ensure social distancing, contact tracing, etc. This sounds to me like the Cork 20. Or, no, it's not the Cork 20. No, it's, uh, it's in Watford. Um, 800 people at an event is just not allowed right now. 800 people attending an event is not allowed right now. And certainly not 800 spectators under any way or form can you do that. It's 100 strictly under level 2 here and in Waterford. 100 people max at an event, at a sports event. Now, are they lining the roads? They probably are if it's motorsports, it's rallying of some kind. Are they lining the roads and it's a long route and maybe that's how, that could be it. If anybody wants to help, you know where we are. 1850-715-996. A text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Twitter is at opinionline96 with, of course, hashtag OL96. And we're at Facebook, Cork's 96FM Facebook page. And uh, please address your messages for the attention of the opinion line. On the proc, someone was saying this morning that uh, it's better they kept their tenor in their pocket rather than going to Paddy Powers to bet that we'd all go up to level three. Like I said, listen, I'd have lost that tenor as well. Uh, but I'm surprised, very surprised we didn't go up to level three. And like Professor Staines said in his chat with me this morning, I hope we don't regret it, but I think we will. Now, we talked last year, I had a chat here with Chloe Gonzalez. Chloe came in to me for what was supposed to be five minutes, and we ended up chatting for nearly half an hour, the two of us, and having great crack, because Chloe started modelling uh, on Miss Bikini Ireland, having grown up a very quiet kid, and grown up a kid, a, a, a kid, uh, you, you, you had weight problems, didn't you, as a kid, Chloe? Good morning. Hi, PJ, how are you? Good to talk to you again. You too. You, you, let's go back over the history of it again. You know, you, you say that you don't have to be a size six and be six foot tall to be a model, and that wasn't you. No, it wasn't, definitely not. <laughs> so, tell, tell me about, remind listeners again of where you came from, of where you come, where you come from in terms of body, body, body image. Well, I always, like, I always um, fought with my weight and my looks growing up especially going into secondary school. Um, I think that's where most girls as well kind of get to know their bodies and struggle with their bodies. And I always wanted to model. I always wanted to um, try it out, but I just never thought I had the confidence for it. And then um, after school, my confidence kind of started to grow a bit. Like I was bullied and stuff in school, which helped my 
it made me stronger, obviously. And then after I left school, um, just, you know, what to do with my life. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody else in school knew that they wanted to go to college. They knew what they wanted to do. And I was just kind of felt like I was stuck there for a while. So I went off and I did my own thing. I did barbering. Um, and then I actually met my boyfriend and he was a photographer. So he started doing pictures with me. And that's kind of how... Um, modeling came about first and then I came across Miss Bikini and that really, really helped me between obviously my family, my boyfriend and then doing Miss Bikini, it built my confidence even though I was surrounded with girls who are like, they love going to the gym, you can see it straight away in their bodies but I worked really hard in the gym for a while and then I just said that I wanted to build my confidence more. So I started doing Miss Bikini, which as you know, as I said to you last year when we were speaking, like you're in a room with 30 other girls that you're competing against and you need to do your picture. So you kind of have no other choice than to be confident. Um, So I started from there and then I went through the competition. I spoke with you and I actually made it to the top 15, which I was shocked about. Um, so it was a great experience for me in that sense and confidence. Mm. And then I started doing more, a um, bit more modeling afterwards, but I kind of wanted to get into an agency. Um, and unfortunately, even though a lot of agencies in Cork and Ireland will say that you don't, there's no restrictions, like there's no height restrictions or weight restrictions. Mm. But when you see the TV and when you see the girls on it or the girls on ads, you see model type girls, which nowadays is skinny and tall, you know. Mm-hmm. So I it's off modeling, to be honest. And I just sat with myself and I was like, what am I going to do to change this? Like Ireland needs to change. Now you see it a bit more. You see a few more curvy girls on the internet and... Um, on um, TV ads but I think it just needs to be shown more diversity not just curvy girls different skin tones different um, races different ethnics everything like that mm. so I did event management after um, I did Miss Bikini and because my boyfriend and he had a team of events as well and I used to get involved in it and I actually loved doing it. Mm. So I started doing the course in it and I became qualified. And we were talking and we said, what if we brought a team of an event of just women to Cork, just open um, an event with uh, a team of women and then coronavirus happened. <laughs> so, what, what kind of event were you planning, though? Just like your normal in your nightclub, Voodoo, um, Dali, Cypress Avenue, but having, we'll say, girl promoters, um, girl, all women artists to perform, because especially as well in Ireland, you don't see a lot of female artists in Cork either. You know, so my whole my whole point of this whole independent ladies agency as well is to get women known more for their talent. Right. And for what they can do. Yeah. And so you, what is it? Is it a modeling agency? It, is it an it events is, agency? What it's, is it? it's a modeling agency, but I, what I was trying to say is I started it as events, but that didn't happen. I had to change something because of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. 
so during the lockdown, um, I was, we were putting our heads together and we were like, we need to turn it into something else. And then I went back to my modeling and I was like, you know what? A lot of girls came to me during when I was doing my own modeling, asking me for advice. So maybe a modeling agency would be the direction to go in to help other girls and just make it a complete diverse modeling agency, not just your typical one that you see around the place at the moment. So contacted a few girls on Instagram. They contacted me and then I found my two main models at the moment, which is Jade and Vicky. Jade is mixed race. She's half Irish, half African-American. Um, she's quite tall and she's curvy. And then we have Vicky, who is Russian, full of tattoos and piercings. So, like, there's your diversity straight yeah. away, you know. Well, you're half Spanish yourself, which is a good step. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it turned into a modeling agency. Everyone just kind of fell in love with the message behind this, which is um, it's not just your average, average typical um, modeling agency of... Like, I think, especially in Ireland, when people think of models, they think of, you know, like the runway models that you see who are really, really tall yeah. and they're like Victoria's Secret. But sort you of don't... The, the, the same sort of half a dozen women who, who turn up in every ad, exactly. every campaign. They're there, we know them, they're household names, they're gorgeous women. Yeah. But, but they become celebrities, all of that. Yeah. There's many, many more women out there. There is, and... People need to show real bodies. Do you know what I mean? Like, like uh, that women and even men can relate to. Like, there's here to look like a Victoria's Secret model or to look like a model that they see on the TV. It's not right, like. Mm. But I think, I think it is starting to show a bit more, but I just want to, I want to emphasize it more. I want to show girls that you don't you don't need to look like this to be a model. Like you know, you know the thing is, Chloe, we, we, we have started, and I'm delighted that we have done, we, we've started telling young girls and young fellas, but we're focusing on girls right now, but mm -hmm. telling young girls you're gorgeous as you are, you're fantastic as you are. It doesn't seem to sink in though, because they look at Insta and they look at the video and they look at YouTube and they see a perfect world. I am, yes, grand. I need to be like that. How do you bridge that gap, Chloe? You don't actually need to be like that. We need to show more diversity. That's what needs that's to a be big, That's a big word. What does it mean in simple terms when relating to this, though? Diversity, I would say, is all different shapes and sizes. Mm. Small, tall, skinny, um, curvy, yeah. all different skin tones, mm. all, all different, all different looks. Like it's just, you have, you, and it's everyone's perception and it, 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 it started to, to A, turn me off modeling and B, turn me off looking to buy clothes online. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know what someone described to me as diversity, uh, Chloe, once, and embracing diversity, as we've all done? Uh, imagine buying a packet of Skittles. Yeah. All right? And opening it up and only being willing to eat the red ones. Mm -hmm. You never will know the diversity of what else is there. You will never 
understand the enjoyment of what else is there. If you only look at one type of woman and see, say she can be a model, you will never know the others who can be models and who can be successful and who can be like, you know, they can change the world if you want. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the diversity element of it. <clears throat> it is, exactly. Go past and the red skittles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like you see, my my girls, my two girls, when we go to bookings and when we have photo shoots, they're eating. Like they're not serving themselves. They're <laughs> eating there. They're having their breakfast and their lunch before they now balanced diet, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's not cotton. It's not cotton wool and an apple either. No, no, and that's like it. But even myself, PJ, when I was doing my bikini, like when I, when I was going to my first photo shoot, I didn't eat for the whole day, and that was wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That was so wrong to do. Like, and that's that's what people just need to see. But now, and I said this before, um, a few minutes ago. It, the world and Ireland is starting to change a little bit when it comes to this, but I think if people just start seeing it more and more and more and more and more and see what can actually come about of being yourself, girls will want to do that themselves. You well, know what I mean? I know that women listening will want to think, okay, where can I see Chloe and, and Vicky and Jade, where can I see them? So I know what she's talking about. So I know about the diverse. Do you have Insta? Do you have website? What do you got? Yeah, so um, Instagram is Independent Ladies Agency. And it, that's mostly where we have all our pictures, um, all the work that they're doing so far. And we were in the um, Irish Mirror as well yesterday. Their pictures are there too and the article about it. Brilliant. All right. All um, right. Well, so yeah, if you just look us up on Instagram, you'll see. And I'm I'm very happy that we did the Irish Mary yesterday because there's so much more girls coming to the page now, and Good. they're your they're not your typical model looking girls, which is what I wanted. Because now, don't get me wrong, everyone deserves an opportunity um, to be a model if that's what they want to do. But mostly, the girls that were coming to the page before were what models should look like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And now kind of after speaking out a bit more about the agency and with the Irish Mary yesterday, um, there's more of a diverse... Great. Which is exactly what you wanted in it's the first exactly place. exactly what I wanted. And tell me something, when COVID eventually leaves us alone to get on with our lives, mm-hmm. will you go back to the events? Yeah, like I love doing events. I did... Um, but I, it, it won't be... Bring the agency back to events, I mean, as well as... No, not, not the agency. Now that... Um, now that I have a bigger, I think, a bigger crowd and a bigger um, audience yeah. kind of look more to um, body image okay. and body confidence... I would like my main focus would definitely be the agency. Now we probably would have events here and there, yeah. yeah. But because you, um, you didn't have body confidence as a little girl, no. and look at you now. I know it's, it's mental. It it just goes to show, like what you can do if you really sit down with yourself and just talk to yourself mm. and think about what you want first of all, and second of all what you need to do to get there you know what I mean like that's a big thing that you need to ask yourself and because like four years ago when I left school I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do not a clue like I did barbering I just I, 
that had nothing got to do with anything that I ever wanted to do. Do you know what I mean? But you just need to, especially when you're that young, you think huge pressure on kids of knowing what you need to do when you need to go straight into college and do this course. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a bit young for people to know what they want. Yeah. Well, listen, it's great talking to you again. We could talk all day, Sue. I know. <laughs> all right, and good luck with it. And uh, Thanks good, a million. With everything that goes along with it. Chloe Gonzalez, great crack. 1850-715-996. Independent ladies on Instagram. You see herself and Vicky and Jade, and, you know, you might want to get involved yourself. 1850-715-996. Ah, on that match, we've had a message. On Corks 96 FM. With the indoor self service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying, done within an hour. Self service laundry.ie. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Court's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Court's 96FM. I mentioned that video and social media scuttle or scuffle, if you want to call it a better word, that's going on over the match in Glanmire. Marie says, hi PJ, the match you're talking about is the Rebel Oak Premier One Minor Football Championship Final at Parky Ring. It was Glenmire versus Douglas, Glenmire won. I wasn't there, but watched it on live streaming via Echo Live. It did look like there were lots of people there. Maybe you should contact the county board for a comment. Well, we did. And they asked, or they referred us to their compliance documents and their rules and regulations. I'd still love to talk to someone, though, who was at the match, who was in the stand, and who could describe the situation. Because, to be fair, video picks up something from one particular angle 
for one particular couple of moments on a mobile phone. The light was poor, yet don't know for sure. But the claim is that there was no masks being worn. The claim is that there was no social distancing going on. The club have declined to comment as is their right. And as I said, there's been a lot of arguing and toing and froing and this, that and other on social media about it. So if you were there, if you were in the stand at the match, love to talk to you. Um, Chloe and uh, our modelling agency, Cathy says, it's rare to see anyone above a size 8, say, on the rows of Tralee. One diverse rose every few years doesn't count as inclusivity. Listener says Chloe should be brought into schools to talk to young girls about what beautiful means. Great inspiration. Anne says retailers, and we've discussed this actually before, retailers have a lot to answer for. My friend's teenage daughter is only a size 16. That's by no means huge. And they told her she'd have to go online for their plus size options. They don't even carry it in the store for her to try on. My friend says she now refuses to go shopping and hates when there's events because of the stress to look a certain way. Promoting healthy living, yes, but also promote beautiful living. She's a great young girl to listen to. Uh, That's referring to Chloe. Colette says, I know that girl with the model agency. She's a nice on the inside as she is on the radio. As I said to you, Chloe is one of the most impressive guests I ever had in studio here uh, in the last year or two. She's just such fun. I could talk to her all day. And she makes such a pile of sense for somebody so young. She's only 22. On, yeah, a couple more things coming in about sports events. Could we wish Richie and then Rovers best of luck in the county final on Sunday? They're sixth in ten years. That's from Kevin. All right, Kevin, consider it done. Lots of stuff coming in about children and diet and those new guidelines. And my confirmation with Tony Martin. We've had this message. This is why we see all the influencers promoting meal prep. Set one day for yourself and cook the meals for the week. Very time-consuming, but no hassle then for the rest of the week. Also, it'll help when you're craving crappy food, because this is good to go and stop the too-tired-to-cook mentality. Into the microwave for a few minutes and boom, healthy meal. 1850-715-996. I have to say, though, the comment of the week, the comment of the week, I love this. It's not signed, but it's to do with diet and... uh, Healthy eating and all of that. And here it is. I, this, is I, this is the comment of the week. When I had my first born, the gynecologist saw my blood sugars and asked me, what did I have for breakfast? And I said, a whisper. He leaned over the table <laughs> or over the bed and said, what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> so we've talked before on the show about celiac disease. And when you talk about it and think about it, you realise it's far more common than you would have thought. It's surprisingly common, in fact. A lot of people walking around with celiac disease, they don't even know they have it. So there's a a gluten-free living show 2020 being run this month by the Celiac Society of Ireland. It's a virtual event. It's supported by SuperValue, catering for what they say is an estimated 50,000 celiacs in Ireland and 400,000 people who are gluten intolerant. Let's get Sarah Kyo on. She's a dietitian working with the Celiac Society. Sarah, good morning to you. Good morning. I'll deal with the broad, the, the broader concept of gluten intolerance in a while. But I didn't realise how common celiac was until I started talking to people about it a couple of years ago. 
Well, this is it. It's, it's actually there. And I think it's it's been around for so long. People are like, oh, yeah, celiac disease. Um, but the big problem that we're finding is that we estimate that there should be about 50,000 um, people with celiac disease in Ireland. But we know that probably 70% of them are undiagnosed. And it's an absolute disaster because there's so many people suffering with everything from what they think is irritable bowel syndrome to migraines, problems with fertility, to early onset osteoporosis, and have no idea that actually the underlying problem is that they're actually celiac. What is celiac? Um, So celiac is actually an autoimmune disease. So what happens when someone is celiac is that when they eat gluten, it triggers this big autoimmune reaction in the body. And the the thing we know most about is that it damages the lining of the gut. So a lot of people with celiac disease might get pain in their tummy, they might get bloating, they might get some diarrhea, they might also get some constipation. Mm. And some people will lose weight, but that's actually quite unusual these days. Um, So weight loss doesn't have to happen. Sorry, is it an allergy? You say it's autoimmune. Is it an allergy to gluten? it's not an allergy. It's it's actually a very, very different um, system. So it looks like an allergy because you eat it and you get a reaction. When you take gluten out of the diet, it's supposed to stop. So that looks like an allergy, doesn't it? It does, but an allergy would be a very different system in the body um, in terms of the immune system. So this is very much autoimmune because it doesn't just impact the gut. And as I said, you know, we'd see 25% of people with celiac disease on diagnosis find their migraines disappear. Uh, We people find their balance is better, their concentration is better. Um, yeah, it's it's very... So, oh, yes, yeah, so I get it. it kicks off the immune system, but not necessarily just in your gut. Exactly, and that's the, in the last sort of 15 to 20 years, we're really seeing that celiac disease can affect people in so many different ways, right. which is one of the reasons a lot of it is missed, um, because people are thinking, well, you haven't got diarrhoea, you mustn't be celiac, but actually it can be so many other things. I see here, mouth ulcers? Yeah, very common. Um, and actually have a lot of very on-the-ball dentists who are seeing people and you're back here with mouth ulcers again, better check you for celiac disease. So that's mm. actually quite common. And what is the test? So the test is, the first and most important thing, you must keep eating gluten until you are fully tested, okay? The beauty is taking out gluten fixes it. So if you take out the gluten and then go for your testing, they're all going to come back negative, even if you are celiac. So that's a big delay. So whatever else, if you think you might be celiac or gluten intolerant, Stay on your gluten, go to your GP. It's a blood test your GP can do. And then if that blood test is positive, you then go and have a biopsy done, um, which is a camera down into your tummy and a biopsy done. And then you get your diagnosis from that. But really important to keep eating your gluten until you actually have your tests done. What is the difference between celiac and gluten intolerant? So the main difference is that there's a lot of research looking at this is that celiac disease runs through very, very specific, what we call an, an immune path in the body. And what you test for celiac disease is a thing called TTGs. And in people with gluten intolerance, they don't have the high levels of TTGs. So they don't have the classic celiac pathway. And celiac disease is also genetic. So a lot of most people with the celiac gluten intolerance wouldn't necessarily have the genetic um, set up for celiac disease. However, their bodies are still reacting quite strongly to gluten and we're still looking at the pathway for that and the actual detail of it, but we do see that the immune system is definitely involved there in some way, but really highlighting why. And that does seem to be a lot more common than celiac disease. Um, so it's, yes, we're, it's another 400,000 people in Ireland who are reacting, potentially reacting to gluten or something in wheat that's a huge issue. Right, so... Th- I wouldn't necessarily be celiac if I had the symptoms. I would have. Are they different symptoms? 
they can be different and they can be very similar. And that's why it's so important to go to the GP and get tested. Um, you know, people self-diagnose or they read something online. But it's really important. If you really think gluten or wheat or any of those is an issue for you, rule out celiac disease because we know it's that. We know exactly what to do. Yeah. And then if we look at the, the sort of gluten intolerance, then sometimes there's other things that you might look at with it. Um, the impact on it can be a little bit different. So really, really important to get tested. No. A slightly controversial point on the gluten intolerance, Sarah. Mm-hmm. It almost was fashionable for a while. Oh, yes. God, Every second character. Oh, I'm gluten intolerant. Listen. But you're not really, are you? Well, you see, what it was is it became this fad. And you know yourself, we go through huge fads with nutrition. Every five years or so, there's something new everybody's doing, you know. And at the moment, and certainly four or five years ago, everybody was doing gluten for all kinds thing. But it actually was very hard for people who weren't celiac, but who were still genuinely having a negative reaction to gluten. And, you know, it's very hard when you're actually someone who gets very sick when you eat gluten and people telling you it's all in your head or you're following the fat. So there absolutely was the fat. And I think it did a lot of good in the sense that we suddenly had a lot more gluten-free products. Mm. But it did a lot of harm because people who genuinely react were being marked off as being gotcha. you know, similar gotcha. I mean, luckily the, the fad of it. Yeah. Celiac isn't fashion, but be careful about the gluten intolerance, but many people are. Absolutely. All right, okay. Talk to me about the event then, Gluten Free so, Living Show. Well, the Gluten Free Living Show is this huge event that the Celiac Society runs every year, and we usually have it in a big hotel, and we have queues and queues of people coming in. So, obviously, with um, COVID, we are going virtual. We're going online this year, and we're going to go online on October 12th, and we're going to run for that week until Friday the 16th. And there are just going to be loads of events online. And this year, um, our, our headlining person is a 10-year-old girl, um, Evie Austin in Dublin and she was diagnosed with that when she was eight and she is now a YouTube star cooking um, gluten-free foods and she is going to be running the Kids Academy. And with the confidence of someone three times her age, I might tell you. Well, this is it. She's most entertaining. I had a a look at one of her videos last night. She's brilliant, isn't she? Um, so she's going to do the Kids Academy, which is where we're going to, where kids and parents can come along and watch and see how to make lots and lots of gluten-free foods, gluten-free treats. Um, you know, really that you can be quite a restrictive diet, but there's lots and lots that you can actually do. So we're delighted to have Evie on board and McCambridge's Bread are going to sponsor that for us. She'll be on the 14th of October. And we're also going to have live cookery demonstrations from leading chefs. We're going to have Kevin Dundon from Dunbrody House, Nicola Halloran from The Wonky Spatula, which is love that name. Lovely. I'm Mark Gorday of Le Skinny Chef and Maraid Finnegan of Roll It Pastry. And then we are going to have a talk. So I'm going to be doing a session on eating for immunity. So really looking at food, nutrition um, to support immune system. And then Dr. Nick Kennedy is going to be talking about COVID, flu vaccine and celiac disease. And that's a question that comes up every year about vaccination and celiac disease and the impact on the immune system. Right. And they're supported by SafeFood. Um, and we're very, very lucky to have super value sponsoring us um, to do this this year. Yeah. Um, it's been a big change. But, but was, 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 COVID, was, was COVID a risk factor for, 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 for celiac? Um, it's do it around. Because it's so new, um, it's very, very hard to if people with celiac disease are at more risk or not. We do know that people with celiac disease sometimes can have an impact on their spleen, which is a, a role in the immune system, which is why, you know, we talk about flu vaccine for people with celiac disease. But as yet, we haven't seen data say that see, people with celiac disease are more at risk than anybody else. 
Um, but the same precautions are going to apply. We're saying to members, you know, keep washing your hands, keep wearing your face mask, you know, keep your social distancing going. Um, but it's just um, Dr. Nick Kennedy will be going into a lot more detail with that in that session. How does how do people get involved? Website? What Website is it? Two places to go. You can go to www.glutenfreelivingshow.ie or you can go to celiac.ie and you'll get plenty of information if you to register. All right, the line isn't isn't the best for the last couple of minutes, but thank you very much. That's dietitian Sarah Kyo on that event starting on the 12th of October. It's a fascinating topic, actually, when you go talk about something like celiac disease. So many people have it. You know, oh, he's celiac. Oh, what? Really? So he just didn't have a dodgy stomach for the last two years. Oh, no, he didn't. No. Uh, celiac. So the the address, glutenfreelivingshow.ie or celiac.ie for more information uh, that house fire in the in the Scara area is still blazing. We're told it's been burning since eight a.m. Wow! Hope everyone's okay. Hope there was nobody hurt in that. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Yesterday, I meant to mention a little present I was sent during the week and forgot to get back to it. I have a reason to get back to it next because the person who sent it to me is on the line. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With a solid fuel depot, now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln-dried wood and briquettes for collection or delivery. SolidFuelDepot.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. So when all the talk started about masks, face coverings, call them what you will, becoming mandatory on the bus, or mandatory in shops, or mandatory in shopping centres, or pretty much anywhere now indoors that you're mingling with other members of the public, sometimes in workplaces too, you're, you're asked to wear a face covering. Or you have to wear a face covering in some places. And I mentioned couple of months ago, that I could see a fashion opportunity here. That people would have a number of different coloured masks and patterned masks to coordinate what they were wearing. And not just women, men too. And I said all of the designers, all the fashion designers, would come out with their own range of masks. And I said that you'd go into shops eventually and you'd buy a top, say, or a, or a short <laughs> Or maybe even a scarf, and there'd be a little matching mask with it. And some of it's coming to pass. And I mentioned it again earlier in the week, and I got a little box in the door um, from Sharon, who's making them here in Cork, and agrees with me, because your background is in fashion design. Sharon Hussey, good morning to you. Hi, how are you, PJ? Good. Uh, this little prediction of mine, I, I said it in fun a few months ago, but it really is a thing now. My, my daughter's got half a dozen of them in different colours. Yeah, they are. Do you know what? It's just anything really to entice people and encourage people to wear them. Do you know, you'd welcome anything um, if it's to do with fashion or um, anything like that, really to to encourage people. Mm. Do you know, and I think the best way, because it's so mandatory now everywhere, that the best way really to incorporate it is, as you said, um, through fashion, making it look pretty, fabrics, um, comfort, all that kind of stuff are really taken into account. You started making your own when? Um, back in June, so I, um, yeah, like I said, my background is in fashion design, so I had all the equipment, I had fabric, I had 
the sewing machine. I had it all here at my fingertips. So I just started um, for family and friends. And from there, it just grew really, you know. So here I am still going and hopefully um, it'll keep growing with different ranges of masks. That's kind of what I'm looking at now as well. Um, and also different types of fabrics, um, like I said, to encourage people. So we've got a Halloween um, mask coming out for people for Halloween. And, you know, it's just like that. Now, there's certain industries out there that could really do with um, focusing on what type of um, masks they wear. You know, just like keeping in mind of children and yeah. people who, you know, things have really changed for them. And like, obviously, there's the whole fashion side to it too. But it's just to be mindful and and to um to know to just just help those out who yeah. might find it difficult. And sensorily, Sharon, some fabrics are much more comfortable to wear than others. They are, and like, particularly in your then, face, like exactly, exactly. And like, but you also have then what's more breathable and what's not. You know, so it is a bit of a tricky kind of um, happy medium. You know, just to find for people as well, because you don't want a fabric that you can't breathe in, but it looks pretty. You know, so it's kind of to find the happy medium, as I said. Mm. And and how did you choose your fabrics? Um, so obviously cotton is the most breathable and um, that's kind of where I went, but I wanted a durable one, um, you know, so I kind of went for a cotton canvas, which um, I don't know from what you've got there, there's a couple in that and you, you can kind of see the texture, it's yes. stronger, so it's more durable when it's washed. Yes. And obviously these things are going to wash a lot. You gotta, you know, you're so supposed to wash them every day them. and use them, yeah. 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 yeah, so you want them to be durable as well, you know. So, yeah, you sent um, a, a lovely, and thank you, you sent a lovely selection for both adults and children. You branded some of them as well, because branded masks are becoming a thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so like that now, as I said, the Halloween and like um, for Christmas now, we're going to do, um, in November, we'll have a Christmas one coming out, but we're going to actually get in... Um, with a charity on that one to donate. Um, so it's just, again, like at Christmas time, just try and make it a bit more fun for people, encourage people to want to wear them. Yeah. If people are going to wear the Christmas jumper, wear your mask with it, you know. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, let's like, face it, these things, well, like. they're going to be with us for a while, whether we exactly. like it or not. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I've created um, this new one. So it's called a scarf mask. And basically it's just going to be... Um, something to wear with your outfit to encourage so like when I think of going to the shopping centres or anything like that like you can't come out of the shop and take off your mask your mask is on you once you enter the shopping centre so this kind of encourages people again this is to go with your outfit this is to wear it with or it's like places like Upper Lane, Upper Lane you come out of the shop don't take off your mask if you're going into the next one. Um, this will keep you warm. It's wrapped around your neck. It's stylish. Yeah. Um, it's comfortable. There's different colours to go with different outfits. Yeah, you, you've um, done a video with that one, actually. We've put it up on our Twitter. And people, yeah. people can see it. The it's company so is called what, Sharon? Abina. Abina. Abina.ie. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's Very important. People have complained consistently about glasses fogging up. <laughs> Yeah, so I wear glasses and um, all day long I can't wear contacts. Um, they just irritate my eyes. Not that I have time with kids and we'd be putting in contacts. But um, no, I definitely find um, that the wire works much, much better with people with glasses. So every one of our masks comes with wire in it. And I just find if you pinch it a certain way and move your glasses a certain way, you'll find the right fit. You'll find that, that point, no yeah. Fogging up and it is so good. I could wear mine for hours. And that once with a fog up, which I think is very, very important for people who wear glasses. It is. I mean, I, I said before, I give up wearing glasses there a couple of years ago. I wear lenses all the time now. But if I'm out in the summer, as I was with sunglasses, trying to wear a mask under them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a bit yeah. of a nuisance. Yeah, no, as I said, I literally now I designed it and I created it and I 
I tried one and I didn't work and I tried another and Great. I kept going until I found one that I found most comfortable for people with glasses, for breathing, for for a lot of things. Like my own sister suffers um, very bad with asthma and like she couldn't breathe in certain ones and I changed it. And, you know, you'd kind of like I wanted one that okay. that really suited. It wasn't just going to be um, a face covering. Great. And that's kind of the way my attitude is. I don't want it just to be a mask. I want people to have fun and get a Halloween mask yeah and okay. I want it to be a fashion well Abina.ie is the company and we've got a big you know shop local and support local promotion going on at the moment on 96VM and delighted to uh, to include Thanks you as so part of that appreciate All right. it. Thanks cheers Sharon much. thank you very much good luck with it that's Sharon Hussey Abina.ie fashion face masks for the time of Covid tis where we are lads Listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96fm.ie. The opinion line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96 FM. On the subject of masks, Eugene says Halloween is about scaring people. This year, don't wear a mask, it'll scare people a lot more. Thanks, huge. Can always rely on you. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Thank you, George, for the reminder. I had forgotten this, and, and fair play to my good buddy Dave and everyone up at Suit Distributors for what they've done. Uh, Dave from Suit Distributors gave nearly all of the proceeds of the Cork double 30-year double anniversary shirt to Marymount and the different Cork charities. Remember they ran, they, they had the Red for Cork Marymount thing the last couple of weeks with uh, Marymount and the Cork GAA and all of that. Well, Dave and the lads at Super Distributors and Podrick and all them, they commissioned a special shirt, gorgeous shirts, to mark the 30-year anniversary. And, and Derry's been giving them away on oldies and Irish they're beautiful shirts and they're a collector's item. And for the day of the appeal itself, they said they'd give the proceeds to the charity. And they raised the bones of 500 quid. And I had meant to say uh, to them, well done and thank you for that. But they didn't get around to it. So George reminds me. Uh, they're up there in, in near the airport in the industrial park. Thank you, George. 1850-715-996. Now... We mark all kinds of events on this particular programme from time to time. And I don't know whether you know it, but there is an event called Black History Month. And October is Black History Month. And there's a Cork group very involved in Black History Month and planning a number of events to market. They're called Africans Connect Ireland. Now, there was a lot of interest earlier in the year with Black Lives Matter and the whole George Floyd story and and all those terrible scenes from the United States, there was a real upsurge in interest in the likes of Black Lives Matter. But Black History Month is an unusual one, and we wonder, you know, let's 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 find out a little bit more. Remy Kolawale is the organisers of Africans Connect Ireland. Uh, good morning, Remy. Good morning, PJ. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely to talk to you. Black History Month, explain it to me. So Black History Month, it's one month dedicated in October for the celebration of black achievement. So this actually started in the United States and they celebrate Black History Month in February. 
But here in Ireland, it is celebrated in October. It only started to be celebrated in October in 2004, in, in Ireland in 2014. And Ireland is one of the four countries who celebrate Black History Month in Europe. Why is it so important? Yeah, I think it's really important, you know, because if we don't know where we are coming from, we probably won't know where we are going. So it's very important for us as a people to celebrate ourselves and to kind of talk about who we are and what we have done and where we're going. Uh, actually, in Ireland, Ireland has a very rich history of black people. Uh, there's a rich history day, PGA. Research has shown that Ireland's relationship with Africans did back as far back as the 17th century. Really? You know, yes. Hmm. So people like people would say, what, what black history is there in Ireland? Tell us a yeah. bit about it. Yeah, that's a bit of history. So, like, there's a guy called Mulatu Jack, and, and there's another singer called Rachel Bantis. They're all black, and they, they are documented to be Irish. So a research was carried out by Dr. William Hurt, is from County Antrim. It suggests that there are more than 1,000 Africans in the late 18th century living in Ireland. And also in the 19th century, we have between 3,000 and 10,000 who were black or mixed race people that are living in Ireland. If you think about it, PJ, uh, apparently there are white people, Irish people today who could have African recessive genes in them. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I suppose we think of of events in, in, in our history and we would forget, I suppose, the connection between between Ireland and blank history very easy because for those for many of us it we'd never we'd never think about it. And I guess that brings me to my next point. Like there's been a lot of talk about Black Lives Matter uh, all over the last few months, particularly from that terrible thing that happened to, to George Floyd. But has that talk turned into any kind of action, Remy? Yeah, you used to say something on forgetting about history there, you know, that there's a rich history of black Irish people that needs not be forgotten. Yeah. You know, if we think about the bravery of people like Rosemary Mary Adesser and Christy Buckley, who's yes, of course. all hearts to tell their story. So, like, their story is our story, and it's a story of resilience, courage, and triumph, you know, yeah. despite all hearts. So I think it's very important to tell these stories, especially to our children who are growing up in Ireland as minorities. You know, you said yourself there about the Black Slide Matter and the story of George Floyd and how things unfold. It's quite uh, unbelievable what we find, even based on the George Floyd issue, how much children are actually suffering as a result of racism in Ireland. So I think... In that sense, that's one of the reasons that we're putting together something like the Black History Month. Because, for example, I grew up in Nigeria with a sense of pride because I was surrounded by great people who look like me. There was no question of who I am and what I can do based on the color of my skin. But unfortunately, this is not so for for black children growing up in Ireland today. So it's it's very important, especially for parents, to, to teach their children to try and instill confidence. However, the, the, the community, the society have a part to play in it as well. I think the Black Lives Matter, for example, in Cork has bring some change. We're really delighted about, you know, the changes that we are seeing. People are very open. People are having conversation, which I think is the most important thing. Like 
for example, personally, companies, you know, organizations have contacted people in our community asking them, what can we do for you? What do you think we can do to make things better? So these conversations are, are happening, and I think it's a great step because racism was never... I've lived here for 18 years, PJ, yeah. in Cork. Racism is not something that we talk about in Ireland. But how can you deal with a situation when you don't have a conversation about it? It's almost impossible to do. Yeah. Like, just to say again now, the Cork Migrant Centre has been doing great work because our initiative was started during the Black Lives Matter, you know, the recent and the recent issue that happened with George Floyd. And mm. it gave young people the opportunity, you know, to speak their mind. So I think that's one change that is happening that we're very delighted uh, about. So people are talking and people are bringing up the issues of changing policies in schools. Because like in Ireland, our schools don't have policies that deal with racism on its own. Mm -hmm. It's all lumped into the bullying policy. And that's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that children are and young teenagers are more accepting of different skin color than than say their parents? You know, it's it's you'll see and you see groups of teenagers going around about their business in where I live now every day and you'll see, you know, groups of teenagers and there's a couple of black kids in there and a couple of black boys and girls and they're just hanging around and no one seems to be any conscious of colour at all. They're just mates who hang around together. You might not have seen that 20 years ago. I, I agree with you. Children, I believe, are more, because I have children myself, ranging from the age of 17 and to 13. They were all born in Ireland. They're friends, you know, from all race, you know, different kids, they get on together and they do well. But we need to watch what we teach the children at home. And we also need to watch what the media and the society is saying to children. Because, you know, when children were born, children don't have anything. They're like clean slates. It depends on what we write on them. But if we keep showing them that there's difference, that we, we are different, then it, it then become something that the children can no longer continue to be. Mm. So, like, racists are raised, not only by their parents, also by the society. So I think we can have a better Highland if those of us that are adults were the responsible one, and we should be leading the fight, I mean, against racism. We talk a lot about the, the Irish diaspora, around the world uh, and you spoke earlier to me Remy about the African diaspora and and it, throughout Irish Irish history is it is it important for the diaspora from Africa in Ireland to have a unified group I, I think it is very important to build a community because people who share a similar history and experience can support each other one of the things that I didn't find when I came to Ireland was support, you know, from people who have similar experience to to me and who came from similar background. And that's one of the things that we are trying to do with Africans Connect. Our aim is to work on initiatives that can foster social, economic and political growth for Africans and people of African descent and, and their children. So I, I think by doing that, we will be able to achieve more 
as a people. You know, there are different things. You know, it, it, it's, it's the little things in life sometimes that, you know, even people who are mainstream Irish, for example, will not bother. But, for example, if you need a mechanic, if you're somebody's dad's mechanic, their uncle's mechanic, you know, you, it's simple things like that that we find very difficult because we don't have that, you know, the social capital, if, if you know what I mean, to be able to access. So through coming together and building a community, we can support each other, we can help each other, and that's what we're all about at Africans Connect okay. Ireland. Where can people find out a bit more about Black History Month? So we have a lot of exciting lineup for the Black History Month. For the whole month will be all the different events. And it's all online, except for one. So I'll talk about the one that is not online. For okay. it's, a strong, it's, a, it's a strong show. And the trunk show is showcasing African designers who are living in Ireland here. So this will take place from the 16th to the 18th of October. Okay. And the tickets can be found online on Eventbrite. But if people go to our website at www.afcon.com, Island.com. Afcon, A-F-C-O-N. Perfect, yeah, Island. Yeah, so okay. they can find more information about that. And also we are Africans Connect Island on Facebook and Instagram. And okay. we're also launching a YouTube channel with the same name. So, okay. Okay. so just to mention, we have a writing competition and a heart competition for children between the age of 10 and 18. So we want them to submit their essay, their poems, and their drawings, photographs. It's all about Africa and just something that they are proud of about their Africa. So there are prizes to be won, which have been donated by business businesses okay. in, in our community. Okay. Also, yeah, I'll tell you more about it all month. So, so also, so in the first week, which... The 5th of October, we are starting uh, a series of panel discussion on black men's health. And this series is going to be very interesting. It has been recorded and there are different topics, you know, for every day from the 5th of October for the whole week. Okay. Uh, we have three men, well, black living in Ireland here from different backgrounds of different age groups uh, uh, talking about black men's mental health. Uh, the second week is kind of dedicated to arts and creativity. Uh, one of our member here, Kemi Jack Simpson, she's a Nigerian British and she's married to an Irish man. She's wrote our own uh, she's wrote seven poems by herself and we will be putting that out for people to listen and enjoy in, in the second week of October. So we yeah. keep going. There's a, there's a lot there's a lot happening and I think people can find there out is, as much as, as they people can just yeah, yeah AfghanIsland.com yeah AfghanIsland.com Africans Connect Island that's what we call on Facebook okay. and Instagram so we, yeah that's a lot going on PJ okay. well I wish I wish you every success with it thank you thank you very right. much and, for having us and and pleasant very pleasant talk to you today Remy. It's nice talking to you, PJ. Have a great day. And have a great month as, as you celebrate Black History Month. That's Remy Kolawale uh, from Africans Connect Ireland. I didn't know that, that you had Africans living here back into the last century and the century before. Well, I guess when you think about it too, I mean, think of two 
people held up there in the light as Irish heroes. Phil Linnet and, and Paul McGrath. Do you know? That's that's black history too, isn't it? 1850 On masks. Hi, PJ. Just want to say I wish people would wear their masks properly. On a bus yesterday, a man had his mask under his chin and he was coughing and spluttering on top of everyone. So the mask was pointless. That's for Melissa. I saw it myself, Melissa. I was driving past a bus in traffic uh, the other day, close up against the bus. It might have been in the mall or somewhere. And I looked in and there's a... (laughs) There's a fella sitting in the back seat of the bus with a chin strap. A big old chin strap. And he's sitting there with a big smile on his hairy face because he's a big beard in him. And there he was with his chin strap. And I'm thinking, it's totally defeating the purpose. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying, done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Now, over in the UK, to help people or to help businesses start up again after lockdown, they had this idea where if you went out to a restaurant from Monday to Wednesday, it only ran for a month, and you paid for your lunch, then there was a tenner back, I think for everybody, uh, but definitely for at least one person in the group, there was a, a tenner back. And the restaurant and hotel sector here were looking to our government to do something similar to encourage people to go out and spend a bit of money on the hotels and the restaurants around the country. So the government came up with a thing called Stay and Spend. Now, typical of Ireland, it ain't simple. Typical of Ireland, it's it's complicated. You have to go downloading apps and getting receipts and taking photographs of receipts and all that sort of a rigmarole. But at the end of it, there's a tax rebate available to you for hotel stays and for eating out and all that kind of thing over the next couple of months. Sarah Slattery is from the travelexpert.ie. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. And delighted. It's it's a bit com- complicated, but for example, myself and, and my family, we have a little New Year getaway every year. We go away down to Kerry for the New Year and hopefully we'll be able to use it that way. How does it work? Yeah, you have to um, download the app, all right. It's called a Revenue Receipts Tracker app. But actually, the app is quite easy to use. Um, You can also use it for your health expenses, which I didn't realise at the time. Um, So you just need to download the app. And when you're in a restaurant or in a hotel or you've paid for a hotel, you just take a photograph of the receipt with your phone and you upload it to the app. And you will, um, it goes, it, it goes against you. Have, you need to have a PPS number. So you can then, um, claim a tax refund on when you're doing your, your tax return at the end of the year. You don't have to go filling out forms online or anything. No, no you don't. Um, the, the, I suppose what is a bit controversial is that it's only valid for taxpayers. So if you're on social welfare or you're a pensioner who isn't paying tax, um, you know, you, you can't get the benefit of it. So I think that is, there's been probably rightly people, I suppose, given out about that. But I don't think the app itself is that, is that difficult. 
Um, if if you're not tech savvy and you, you know you want to just do it manually, you can write in and, and claim like you you know from like like you would with medical expenses years ago. You can do it the same way. So for people who are not comfortable with with the app, but I downloaded it and I thought it was actually very straightforward. Yeah. And and for people, sort of, I'm reading here from a piece in in the Irish Indo where it says that it it can it can it apply to everyone in a party or just one person? Does it apply just to the person who pays the bill or everybody with them? No, it's it's done basically uh, per taxpayer. So if you have a receipt um, under your PPS number, you can claim for that amount. Now the maximum you, you can claim is it's twenty percent. So the maximum you can get back is one hundred and twenty five euros. So the max you can actually spend on it is €625, and that is per person. So if you're married, you know, you can claim up to €250 tax refund um, and spend €1,250 if you're jointly assessed or married. And when will they Um, give you back the money then? In the tax year, so if you if you spend it say November December, you can claim this year. If you spend it January February March, you have to claim in next year's tax. Now you normally have all sorts of packages and deals uh, at your fingertips to go along with what what we've got you to talk about. So are there is are there a lot of places offering packages that you can claim on this? Yeah, I mean the idea I suppose as well is um you know as I said we're talking about people who who aren't paying tax and on social welfare but I think the idea behind this one is to try and get people to spend a little bit more than what they usually have. So you'll find some hotels will have, you know, offers with meals or spa treatments and things thrown in. So I suppose it might get you to, to do have a, a treat that you may not normally do. Um, I know a lot of different hotels ha- have offers at the moment. The value is, is phenomenal. The occupancy rates they're talking about over the winter. I mean, I've heard, heard things from 6% to 12% occupancy rates. So the, there are fantastic deals to be had. Yeah. Um, I know um, it's just controversial, the whole lockdown situation at the moment. But, I mean, even for the likes of, you know, for Cork people, you know, to go to city people to go out to the coast or coast people to come into the city. I mean, there's nothing to stop people to, you know, be a tourist in their own town. I know it's worked quite well in Dublin because the the rates are extremely um, good in Dublin over the last couple of weeks. Um, with restaurants being closed, a lot of people are just checking into a hotel. I think it's, the prices are like €34 Euros per person in a four-star hotel in Dublin City. Pricey. And people are going there for the night. And, um, you know, as I said, you, you, you don't have to spend it all in one go. So you can spend, you know, €100 Euros this weekend and then spend another €100 Euros a couple of weeks' time. Or it's also v- valid in restaurants too. So, you you know, you can spend it in, uh, for a meal out. One thing to to highlight is that the company or the business needs to be registered yeah. uh, for the scheme. So not all restaurants, not all hotels, if they're not registered, you know, so you need to do- just double check that the, the establishment you're going to is registered. You can see them on the revenue.ie um, website. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's loads of deals to be had. I know original Irish hotels, there's a great chain there of 60 different Irish independent hotels. They have some lovely activity breaks. Um, spa, they have a, a spa night in Calrone Castle for 139 euros, right. which includes breakfast and a 50 minute uh, spa treatment. Um, there's some lovely um, art classes and flower arranging in Ballyseedy there, Castle in Kerry. Um, there's a gorgeous one up in Ballynahinch Castle. They have some really nice activity breaks with that, something a little bit extra with dinner included and things like that. So they're certainly worth checking out. But generally speaking, the hotel deals are 
phenomenal. I mean, they've never been so low um, over the winter. And I, that's the idea behind the scheme to get people to spend in the, the yeah, off Because I'm reading, I'm reading in the papers today and it's, it's sad to see the hotels federations are warning like thousands of jobs at risk because yeah. of people not going out. But I guess the hotels, to be fair, I stayed in uh, one in Dublin uh, on, when I was away on holidays and I thought to myself, you know, they really are trying so hard here. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, there, there there's different kind of experiences and things that you may not have normally, you know, done now is kind of probably the time to do it. And, you know, takeaways are great and, and all that, but it's just nice to kind of get out, have breakfast served up to you the next morning. Um, I said, even if it is in your own town, even if it is, you know, as a, a court person going from the city down to the coast, I mean, we've, we've been having some gorgeous uh, weather lately as well. So just a nice way to recharge the batteries. Treat and yourself. If you, can, yeah. if you can get 20% back, sure. You know, why not? Why, why not? not? Sarah, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much. That's Sarah Slattery from the travelexpert.ie. So you download the app and then you put in your PPS, your PRSI number, and that registers it to you. And then when you buy something, be it lunch or be it a hotel room, whatever, I don't think you can use it for the few points before anybody asks. You just get a receipt, click, click, and upload it to the phone. And you will get a tax rebate next year. That's the theory. It'll be interesting to see if it works out. Now, there's got to be an easier way, you would think, even though any way to, I suppose, encourage us to spend and encourage us to get out into the economy, particularly the local economy, anything is is something, if you like. But there must be an easier way. Dawn, you were in Malta. Yes. I love yes. the place. I haven't been it's there since beautiful. my honeymoon. It's a gorgeous it, place. Yes, it is. It is. I was visiting my elderly aunt. We had a trip booked in May for her 86th birthday, but we couldn't get out because the flights were cancelled. Right. So we booked again when it went on the green list. Unfortunately, it was taken off, but we, I was just desperate to see her, to see how she was, how she was, and what have you. So we went over to Malta a week ago, and um, each resident in Malta was given a €100 voucher, not each household, each resident. Um, They were given a €100 voucher to spend... Uh, 20 euros they could spend on anything, clothing or food. Right. Um, and 80 euros had to be spent in restaurants. Right. So right. when we, they don't go out on their own, because of her age, she's been cocooning, because uh, she's at risk. Um, but we went out last week, in the last week, we've been out twice for a slap up meal, and it was lovely. That's and that was that was. And you just give them. Is it is it like a one for all card or something? Is it like one? No, for all? they were given um, five twenty euro vouchers. Wow. Each. Okay. Um, and and it was it was. I thought I thought it was a really good idea because obviously they are suffering. Their problem with the COVID isn't as severe as ours. Yeah. Um, but. But given that um, tourism is such a massive exactly, industry for them. Yes, yeah, people aren't going out there. Um, well, not in the droves like they would normally. Yeah. Um, so um, So every every resident got five 20-year-old vouchers. And yeah. so if you're out for, say, yourself and two or three other people, can they all pile in their vouchers to pay for dinner? Yes, yeah. Crikey. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's so and, simple. And, 
And you see, everything seems to be working over there. They, they're all wearing the face masks. Apart from the builders, there's a lot of construction going on over there at the moment. Yeah. We were actually on the island of Gozo. Because oh, they, they live on Gozo. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of construction going on. The, the construction workers didn't wear them. Not that I noticed anyway. Yeah. Um, but, but everyone else, you know, it's, there aren't... I, I didn't see... Obviously, I only went into local shops. Yeah. Um, I didn't see restrictions on people going in, but... Yeah. They, everybody wore the mask. Is there that lovely little harbour still there in Gozo? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. There's a lovely hotel there. It had an Irish name, I think, at one stage. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, lovely hotel. Know. Beautiful part of the world. Gorgeous it part is, of the world. It, it is lovely. And it beggars belief that we left... Malta yesterday at 30 degrees and came on to 6 degrees. Oh, God help you. <laughs> and have you got to isolate now, Dawn, for a few yes. days? Yeah. Yes, we, we isolate for 14 days now. Yeah. It's not a problem because we live out in countryside and we don't get many visitors anyway, you no. know. So right. um, Jerry's, Jerry's uh, family are all nearer the city and all live close together, so they don't travel out this way very often, you know. Well, listen, so. I, I hope that I hope that you came back safe and well and, yes, and that we it was did. worth the we trip. Did. Yes, definitely, definitely. All right. All right, listen, take care, Don. Thanks very much for that. Now, there's a simple idea. And look, there's probably nothing wrong with this app and receipts and clicking up the photograph, the whole thing. But, like, there's a simple idea. Every resident got an envelope Side in the envelope, there's five little vouchers. Five little... And you go and you have your dinner and you put the voucher on the table. And, uh, like, or you can go and you can buy a shirt and put the voucher on. Hey, talk about doing it simple, like. In the UK, yeah, Frank says, in the UK it was half price on all food and all non-alcoholic drink there and then. Not this stupid keep-all-your-receipts approach. I personally think it won't encourage people to go out and support the sector. And on various approaches to COVID, Angeline, hi Angeline, from Germany, uh, talking about apps. Do you know what happened to the Irish COVID-19 app? In Germany, ours didn't function that well. Well, actually, the the, the COVID-19 app is quite busy in this country. They, they had 1.5 million or something of us on it the last time I looked just to open it there on my phone. I did my daily check-in this morning, uh, so I'm in the clear for today. But there's... Thir- uh, now, there's a thing. There's only 36,000 people have checked in today, which is uh, a lot less than the one point something million people that have it on their phone. And there was some problem with it eating up the battery on Android phones. I think they have that sorted at this stage. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With a solid fuel depot. Now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln dried wood and briquettes. For collection or delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, you might remember last week that a man called Dr. Giseke, the lead advisor to the Swedish government, was here in this country. He was talking to the Oireachtas Committee about how Sweden had approached. COVID-19. They didn't have a lockdown. They encouraged people to just take precautions effectively and just get on 
with their lives and live with the virus and maybe build up herd immunity. We've heard so much about it. We spoke to a leading academic in, in Denmark, uh, Professor Schneppen, then about the Swedish model. He's in Denmark, but they're admiring it from a distance in, in Denmark. But he did agree it's kind of not a plan you could put into practice here because our society is is so different. But he did say it's a model he believes in. Now, Jane Ruffino is an archaeologist and a writer. She's American-born, but she lived here in Cork for a number of years. She's a UCC graduate. Jane lives in Sweden with her partner and had a baby earlier this year. And I caught up with Jane for a chat about the system there. Jane, it was your Twitter feed that I was watching last week. The message coming from it was, look, I'm here in Sweden... I've just had a baby in Sweden. Don't believe everything you read about Sweden. Yes. The, the, the international perception of Sweden is very polarized, very binary idea that it's either utopia or it's an absolute, you know, hellhole. Um, it's neither. But what happened in Sweden with um, the, when the pandemic hit Sweden in early March, um, you know, we were watching kind of everyone else take pretty swift action. And Sweden was kind of like waiting and waiting. And I mean, I will admit, I wasn't that concerned until early March. Um, and then when when uh, Bergamo shut down in Italy, mm. uh, that's when I started to get pretty nervous because I thought, like, this is, that's not a thing that happens in Europe. Um, and we were kind of waiting. And, and we watched our neighbors shut down, Finland, Norway, Denmark. And it didn't happen for us. And every time you would try to talk about it, people would just get very, and it, it started to become sort of nationalistic. You know, yeah. we're Sweden. We don't do things that way. And at the time, I was seven months pregnant. So I was going, wait a minute. I mean, pregnancy wasn't even added to the list of our risk, uh, risk groups yeah. until the week I gave birth. So there was nothing available for me. I mean, people were very careful with me. Um, when I was in the healthcare settings, but, you know, no more careful than they would be with anyone else. Um, and what happened for me was my entire prenatal plan just fell apart. So everyone's going, oh, Sweden is so great. It's wide open. It's like my midwife got sick, which turned out to be probably Corona. I think she had to actually leave her job. Right. Um, she never recovered. Um, my anxiety counselor caught Corona. Um, so they would talk about like, oh, Mental health, we can't shut down of mental health. Great, I can't get my mental health care because of corona. Um, so all of these things just fell apart. I had this care team assembled because I had a high-risk pregnancy, and it just evaporated. So, so you were left was, with no additional care? Yeah. I had no care. I couldn't go to my appointments because I knew that the clinic wasn't safe. So you know, nobody's wearing a mask. You know, they're sort of hand-washing. Um, I, I got to have one scan. So all of the care I had in the third trimester was actually emergency care. And there was one day when it really kind of just came to a head for me. I was sitting in urgent care. I was around the, uh, it was around the end of March, and I had woken up unable to breathe. Right. And my stepdaughter, had she had a fever for six weeks. We couldn't see her. She had to stay at her mom's, and there were no testing. So we couldn't know, was it corona? We don't know. So, you know, everything was really put on hold because you couldn't get a test, but you had to go about your business and you were supposed, it was really unclear. You could only get a test if you were being hospitalized. 
So you um, had no tests in the community. You had tests only in hospital. Yes. And so at one point, so I, yeah, so they tested me for a blood infection and then they thought, well, you have all these other risk factors. Let's make sure you're not having a pulmonary embolism. I'm sitting there in this room. Um, you know, my partner couldn't come in. So I'm scrolling social media and people are like, Sweden is the best. Sweden is great. I'm at a party. And you're going, I'm sitting alone in a hospital, seven months pregnant after nine rounds of IVF and two really traumatic miscarriages, wondering, am I going to lose my baby? And you think this is great? And it was, it was really, and I know that it was very, it's been very difficult for anybody to go through any kind of um, milestone or health treatment or pregnancy. But in Sweden, what was different was if you tried to talk about it, you would just get shouted down. And it's, it's changing a little bit now, I think, but you know, it was just my partner posted on Facebook once about how we weren't sure what was going to happen or was my birth plan going to be changed, was yeah. my C-section going to be canceled. We didn't know. And he was hounded with aggressive messages about spreading panic. And he was just like, I'm afraid. And so you couldn't talk about it. Your whole um, message was like, stay calm, don't panic. And, you know, and isn't it great? Everything is open. But, you know, the problem was for, for businesses that stayed open, their trade was really reduced. So instead of getting a, a support from the government, some businesses did. Um, but, you know, you were you were forced to try to keep your business open when people really weren't going out that much. There really was a huge reduction in activity. So what you had was like people who couldn't isolate and couldn't quarantine um, and they had to work more because everything was open. So you had right. all these vulnerable groups moving through the community, um, and no testing. And now the problem is we're not doing contact tracing. You know, now it's kind of, I, you know, I think if we were doing testing and contact tracing, we wouldn't have to worry that much. But they actually changed the law right. in order to put the burden of contact tracing on the infected person. They're using the uh, model of contact tracing that they use for chlamydia which is sort of like, you know, there's a difference between how you catch COVID and yeah. how you catch chlamydia. At the start of this, Jane, I spoke to Philip O'Connor, who's an Irish yeah. journalist based, yeah. I think he's no, in Stockholm. Yeah. Uh, you, you know Philip. Well, F Philip was explaining at that stage how, as he put it, the Tegnell show was the only show in town. And, yeah. and people yeah. had put Mr. Tegnell on a pedestal because he was a yeah. respected epidemiologist. He was applying the science and everyone said, listen to him. He's a scientist. He's not a politician. He knows what he's doing. It doesn't seem to have worked out too well for him so far, does it? Well, uh, you know, I think that the, the, the criticism I've had from the beginning, and I think that I'm not the only one I know, is number one, you know, there isn't the science. You know, science is a method. It was like, no, he's following the science. That's not, I mean, science is a method. Um, he's also, you know, Tegnell is a bureaucrat. A lot of foreigners find him really off-putting. Mm. Um, you know, to say that something isn't political just because you've decided, because it's not made by politicians, doesn't mean it's not political. And what happened was this incredible, just glossing over of inequality, and, you know, the structural dynamics and individual dynamics even, you know, like the, the cleaner at the gym, you know, she, uh, the, I stopped going to the gym because I, I saw someone not wipe down his machine and I just like, okay, I'm done. I'm not coming yeah. here anymore. And I just kept thinking like, does that cleaner have to travel on two or three different trains across the city and come and clean the gym where this guy doesn't clean his machine? And, you know, now she's at risk. 
and now her family's at risk. Mm. And was really just ignoring that, like, oh, we're going to keep everybody, keep everything open because we take the whole society perspective to public health. And it's like, but why aren't the vulnerable people being censored? You can't keep the infection out of the care home um, if you have so many people moving around the community. And, you know, one of the other major problems was that the the unions actually took, uh, took a case to the uh, Workplace Safety Authority and they wanted to get the um, PPE for the care workers in the care home, yeah. and they lost. They lost their case. People could lose their jobs for bringing their own masks to work. What? Yeah. So, you know, it's not just about the lockdown. You know, for now, I don't see... I personally think there's almost no point in locking down if we're not going to lock down in order to create resources for other things like mass testing, which we are yeah. finally doing. But you have to do it yourself, and, you know, there's a lot. It sounds to me, Jane, as if the entire Swedish story has been very carefully managed for the outside world. Absolutely. And, you know, Sweden has one of the most successful nation branding teams. They pretty much invented nation branding. There's actually a brand book for Sweden that you can download because I send it to people sometimes because like, why do I think this about Sweden? Am I am I wrong? Is yes, but you're not wrong because you um, aren't are stupid. It's because this is the brand. And there's been you know there's been a lot of monitoring in the media. You see like stories about Sweden's brand perception during Corona. I'm, for me, that's really tasteless. It's really really tasteless. That like, you know, don't worry, Sweden's brand perception is still doing great, even though 6,000 people have died. And, you know, that's been, and that's what's so difficult to me is like, you know, I, coming from like two other home countries of the U.S. and Ireland, where, you know, loving authority is not something (laughs) that is like associated with being a progressive person. Yeah. Is there a sense, Jane, that you can get accused of letting the side down? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because... You know, there is there is this kind of they were calling it public health nationalism, and it, it really is. I mean, Anderson Neil has I'm sure you've seen like people are getting tattoos of him. You can buy jewelry with him. People are making food in the shape of his face. <laughs> um, you know, like this kind of devotion to him, and he appears to me to be courting and, and enjoying this attention. So there is this kind of sense, uh, and there has been of. You know, you can't spread panic. That is that is against the strategy. We all have to be in this together. And part of being in this together is not spreading panic. And spreading panic was anything that you did that was like, hey, I'm scared that I'm going to die in childbirth because I don't have all the resources I need for my birth. Yeah. You know, it's like everything was spreading panic. And, you know, I, I one of the administrators um, in a an organization I'm part of was signing every email with, you know, keep calm and carry on, which I was just like, that was provoked me a bit anyway. <laughs> but it's yeah. just like, you know, it's all about keeping calm and keeping, you know, ice in the stomach. And, and it's like, this is a virus. This isn't like, um, this. It, it was starting to feel a little bit like after September 11th and, and George W. Bush was just like, you know, go shopping, don't let the terrorists win, except this yeah. is a virus. You yeah. know, this is, yeah. doesn't have any, you know, it, you can't, you can't, be brave in the face of virus. You have to just like stay home. <laughs> like Be- before I let you go, Jane. There's a strong Bostonian accent there, but yeah. you spent many years in Cork. 
I spent most of my years in Dublin, but I like to wind up Dubliners by telling them that I consider Cork my second home. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to UCC. I graduated, and I did my master's in archaeology, and then I moved to Dublin, and I worked uh, in archaeology and in the media for a long time, and then in kind of tech industry, and then moved to Sweden about seven, six or seven years ago. Jane, I, I, I wish you well. It's a hard business being a new mom, and thanks for spending so much time with me. Uh, how is she getting you. on? She's well? She's great. Yesterday, she uh, gave us her first full-throated laugh. So <laughs> good, that's good. great. So now I'm making way more animal noises in public. <laughs> you know, it's very useful to have a baby if you walk around making animal noises in public. So, what? and in Sweden, it's good because you can kind of, you can't get away with making that much noise in public. But when you have a kid, you can get away with it. So. All right. Well, you take good care of her and of yourself Thank and you. of your partner and everybody else. And great talking to you. Thanks a million. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. That's Jane. Always nice to talk to ordinary people. Because you strip away the spin and strip away the hero worship and you get the truth of it. So, you know, Sweden, yeah, it looks good. It looks nice. A lot of people say, oh, Sweden this and Sweden that. And why can't we do a Sweden on it? But the reality of living in Sweden is a little bit different. 1857 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Everyday essentials, fresh bakery and Asian foods. Open every day till late. The Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. There's a story that I wanted to get to today. I won't now. I'll get back to it probably Monday. But it's fascinating. This made the British news headlines this morning. The subway story from the Supreme Court, where the judges in the Supreme Court have said that bread sold in subway isn't actually bread under the law. Yeah, I know. It's got. They say that it's got a sugar content of 10% of the weight of the flour included in the dough. So they say that the sugar in subways is too high for it to be classed as bread and therefore should be classed as cake and therefore doesn't qualify under the VAT Act of 1972 to attract zero VAT. This was an appeal to the Supreme Court by a franchise holder for a number of subways. Uh, there's a lot of law involved but they were fascinated in the British media this morning that the Irish Supreme Court uh, was talking about Subway we'll come back to it on Monday it's a good story it's a very interesting story actually about what is bread and what isn't bread under the law and under the law the bread on your Subway isn't bread uh, last year, myself and my family stayed in the Brehon Apartments for a weekend for €425. Euro. We decided to stay again this year. Same weekend, same apartment, a 50% increase in price, up to €625. We were told if we did the stay and spend, we could get money back. But we're pensioners, so we can't do that. It seems the price was upped due to the scheme, giving money back. Has this been happening to other people? Well, that's kind of your connection, but I can see where it's coming from. Have prices, will will prices go up now to take account of the stay and spend, which would totally defeat the purpose, but then we're good at doing that in this country. That's it for today and for this week. The programme edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Katie O'Keefe. Podcast in the afternoon, repeat in the early hours. Have a good weekend. Stay safe out there. See you Monday, just after nine.